podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Here's Sam Maximan. Oh, it's brilliant. Taken away by Wicks. Let's see Oh, it's glorious. And it's Ward Prowse who strikes yeah. it. Stamford shot. Oh, brilliant. The Pogba. Oh, what a finish. Came out to Jimenez. Pick that one out. What a goal by Harry Kane. Saka, 2-0. Jesse Lingard, oh, something finished. The champions of 2021 are Manchester City. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, EPL Index proudly brings to you the best prediction podcast in the world, a tad predictable. With your host, Tariwa Chanakira, and his guest, it's Obi Semenya. It's game week 35, and you know what that means. It's time for another brand new episode of A Tad Predictable. I am super excited for this episode because we are going down south, really, really south, um, all the way. And I'm not speaking, you know, UK terms. I'm speaking globally. We're going all the way to South Africa with our special guest. He is also the person that did the music that the entrance music for this show obi semenya aka john empire sa on twitter obi welcome back to the show it's it's been quite a while since you were last a guest on the show it has thanks thanks very much for having me it's always a pleasure i'm excited for this week of roundup this roundup of games yeah it's it's getting to the crunch time it's getting quite interesting with um all the permutations of what could and could not happen in the Premier League. Now, your team is obviously in the thick of it, uh, being an Arsenal fan. How, how are you feeling at the moment? How, how are the nerves? Um, I think you never know when it's Arsenal. Um, I think this season has given where we started. Um, you can't help but be happy but until we cross that finish line. Um it's like as you say it's crunch time squeaky bum time so uh every single game matters it's not over until it's over it really is and and both you know um, i say both teams in in arsenal and spurs because man united obviously at time of recording they're currently playing chelsea at old trafford we don't know what the result is for that yet but it seems like man united have kind of slipped away a little bit from arsenal and spurs so but in saying both teams and Arsenal and Spurs both have shown inconsistencies uh, throughout the season. But Obi, um, obviously the first team we're going to be speaking about, uh, or the first teams we're going to be speaking about, Newcastle versus Liverpool. That's a 12.30 kickoff on Saturday. And before we get into that, obviously huge news came out today that Jurgen Klopp has signed a brand new extension uh, for his contract it was ending in 2024 with Liverpool he's now extended another two years which is something he does like to do you know extend by two years extend by two years Um, so that means he's there until 2026 now I know EPL Roundtable um, one of you know the flagship show for EPL Index um, they're going to have a full breakdown of the Jurgen Klopp uh, renewal, what it means for the Premier League, what it means for other teams, and as well as for Liverpool as well. And and that should be coming out late on Sunday, if not Monday morning. So if you guys want a full breakdown, definitely look out for that one. But if, if you have any initial thoughts, um, you can share them when we discuss Newcastle versus Liverpool. Because, I mean, Liverpool, we all know, 
they're one point behind Manchester City. They have a chance to go top of the table with a victory in this game and kind of put pressure back on Manchester City. Both teams were involved in Champions League games um, over the week. City's a lot more dramatic than Liverpool's game. Um, but we definitely can't forget about Newcastle because they've been one of the form teams this season in the Premier League. Um Especially in 2022, obviously, um, Eddie Howe has done a lot to turn things around, um, you know, for, for their fortunes since the start of the, the 2022 season, if you want to put it that way. Um, the second half of the season, they, they, you know, in the last 10 games, they, they would sit fourth in the Premier League in terms of the form table. It would be Liverpool, Man City, Chelsea, then Newcastle. So they're, they're definitely playing really well at the moment what are your thoughts um heading into this one it's going to be at um st james's park as well which is a fantastic stadium to to watch a football game yeah um so newcastle really have been silently going about their business this year um they've been chugging along and, and picking up results um and especially uh, given how the club looked last year um, there was a lot of uncertainty. They, Eddie Howe's done a fantastic job of, of of setting what can only be a platform for more. They're definitely going to be scary next season, I think. But okay, give I know. Let, let's let's shake a bit of the rust off here. Give us your first prediction in a good while. What what are you thinking for Newcastle versus Liverpool score wise? So this one uh, kind of hurts to do. Um, because of just how well Newcastle are playing, they're at home. They're they're full of confidence. Um, unfortunately, um, they're coming up against the informed team, uh, being Liverpool, who just seem to have hit a stride in in all competitions. Um, they're 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 not beset by injuries. They've just got this announcement of a renewal. They've had a great first leg. It. it I think it's by no fault of Newcastle at all that I just don't see this being a winnable game. I had it down as 3-1 to Liverpool um, purely because I think Newcastle will still nonetheless have a go at it. Um, but they've done well to put themselves in a position where it's, it, 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 the result really is immaterial. But it's St. James's Park, so it should still be a cracker. It, it, I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to this one. Um, yeah, obviously you mentioned Newcastle I think they do give it a go in this one. They've looked really good. Uh, Bruno Gramash uh, coming into midfield has mm. really worked for them. Obviously, the, the the new player they signed in Joe Linton, uh, in that he's he he seems like a completely different player now that he's been brought into midfield, which has been good for them. He's he's back scoring goals again as well, which is exciting for Newcastle. Um, but yeah, you you mentioned the stride that Liverpool's on at the moment. Um, and and then the feel good factor that this announcement about Klopp uh, re-signing um, must give the players. I, I think this could have been a tough. This will be a tough game for Liverpool. It's an early kickoff. Liverpool tried to appeal to the Premier League to have this game postponed, but I know based on the rules that wasn't going to be successful because um, it was an away game, and uh, based on the rules, they they weren't going to succeed with an appeal for an away game. If if I'm not mistaken. So, yeah, that might be the biggest issue for Liverpool is the quick turnaround of this game. 
but you would imagine a team with the amb- ambitions that Liverpool currently have should be looking to go get all three points at St. James's Park. But I'm, I'm expecting a very, very tough game. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Newcastle even take the lead. Um, so I've definitely given them one goal in this one. Um, I've gone 2-1. So I've gone a little bit more conservative than your 3-1. Uh, I just think it's going to be a lot tougher for Liverpool to get through this game than maybe some of their fans would want to. But they do still end up getting that all-vital three points. Um, and we'll see how much you know, that affects the title race going forward and, and we'll obviously predict Manchester City's game a bit later on. But speaking of all important points, I mean, I think Norwich have exhausted the the time within they could get the three points that would make a difference for them this season. Um, they will be traveling to, you know, to Aston Villa, which is a team that's also in the decline. I mean, Aston Villa, if you're looking at their last five games, they've lost four they've drawn one game and then if we go as far back as their last 10 games they're the 16th worst team in the Premier League in those 10 games they've won three they've drawn one and they've lost six now there was a feel-good factor when Steven Gerrard um, came into to that Aston Villa job there was the honeymoon phase people started thinking could they finish top half of the league and it's kind of just broken down at the moment really which is very interesting to see i mean me personally uh i i don't think he's he he would have done enough to to get the job after jürgen klopp and obviously that can's been kicked further down the road but one of my worries was he was going to be there was going to be a huge media campaign we know with with uh, a lot of the english players he would have been one of the big people that they would have pushed to get the job um, after Jurgen Klopp if it was 2024, I imagine. Um, and I just don't think he's ready. I'd, I'd sooner rather give it to Pep Linders, the assistant coach of Klopp. I, I personally think he should be the successor. But enough about Liverpool and Klopp. Um, Steven Gerrard has to do a job here at Aston Villa and he has to fix things. I mean, surely, Obi, this is the game that he fixes things against a Norwich, Norwich side that has not delivered enough this season. Um, you know, they've had one win in their last 10 games and a draw as well. The rest of them were losses. It, it, this has to be a win for, for Steven Gerrard. Do, does he have an option other, other than a win? Well, in, in, in terms of the optics, no, he doesn't. They've, they've had a dreadful run of form, which, as you say, is the complete inverse of how he came in. He introduced a lot of great structure. They were playing... Um, which is difficult to do in their position, attractive football. Um, but it seems that over time, um, there isn't a great replacement for quality, especially as we get to the tail end and, and legs start to show. But they're going against a team that effectively have nothing to play for. So he has to win it. But unfortunately, we've seen in this league, sometimes the worst kind of team to play is that. I mean, probably the, the best finish to a Premier League season we got purely um, from when you have to play those teams that know, well, we might as well throw everything at it now, uh, isn't the most fun game to be. It's kind of that that colloquial, it's difficult to play against 10 men. I don't have Villa running away with this, regardless of how badly Narches have been playing, not just because of Villa's form, but because of that fact that it, it probably is just a stretch too far now for Norwich to actually save themselves. Yeah, it, it it's going to be a tough one for them to to go through. But yeah, I, I agree with you with um 
vill- not necessarily running away with it and maybe the freedom that Norwich have to play this game, maybe not with the pressures that have plagued them throughout the season, but sort of just give the fans something to cheer about um, for the rest of the season. It'll be interesting to see how they approach this game. Now, obviously, as you know um, from this podcast, Norwich is the official, unofficial, official, strictly unofficial um, team of the season for this podcast. And I have to say that um, I'm legally obliged to say that because the suits upstairs were having none of me trying to push this Norwich uh, narrative for the podcast this season. Um, we, we do like to pick a team that we're going to root for as a podcast for the season. Uh, Norwich was that team this year, but I, I have to specify that it's not an official endorsement, especially not from the suits upstairs. Um, <laughs> but yeah, in saying that, um, and, and sort of the Norwich bias that I've seemed to have this season where I've picked a lot of games of theirs more with my heart than with my head and the analytics and, and the research that goes into these podcasts. But I'm going to go with a 1-1 draw here. Um, uh, <laughs> uh, come on, Norwich. Like, give the fans at least a goal in this game to to cheer. Um, and, you know, the traveling fans, uh, one of the last few traveling um, occasions that they have in the Premier League for this season. Um, yeah, I've gone with the 1-1. I think... Aston Villa won't solve their problems against Norwich. I think Norwich have shown some spirit in some of these games. Obviously, the class hasn't been always there, but they will put up a fight. They won't lie down against a team that seems to be kind of stuck and and needs some sort of rejuvenation at the moment. I I think they can sneak a draw in this one. Am am I being too hopeful? I don't think so at all. I think... um... 1-1 1-1 is a decent shout for all of those reasons. Um, Villa do really seem to be at a loss for solutions. Um, they've tried all sorts of ways to try and maybe fire up the engines and get back to the way that they've been playing. It just has not been working. And the kind of freedom Norwich are playing with, uh, it might cause them problems. It's In a weird way, it's a tricky game for um, yeah, because it's it's a, it's a game he absolutely has to win. It's a game that Villa have to win for for optics, if nothing the less. And in a way, that makes it tricky for how they approach this. Um, I had it down to give Villa a two one win, um, but a draw is is well within the cards. I just don't. I think one thing that is true is I just don't see this being a walk in the park for Villa as it should be at this point, but. Um, for all of those reasons, I think it, it might be a difficult game for them. Yep, uh, a two-one win is a, is a decent shot, and and for Villa fans, I think they would take that um, and run just just to get another victory and try and turn this form around, especially heading into next season. Because you know, usually how you you know leave a, a certain situation is how you enter into another situation, and if they leave the season in poor form. Um, it will be interesting to see whether or not they can just all of a sudden switch it on in the course of the summer or if that drags on into next season and makes next season a lot tougher than they they are hoping for. Um, And, you know, we move on to teams that are now in limbo because the next game that we have is Southampton versus Crystal Palace. Now, looking at um, the league table, We've got Southampton. They're sitting in 13th place. They've reached that magical 40 points. Um, I'm pretty sure Arsene Wenger would come and say, statistically speaking, it's not 40 points. You need 37 points or something along those lines. 
um we know he he had that saying in the champions league was it um he had a certain point that points tally that he needed to reach if i'm not mistaken yes he did he did what was that do you, do you remember um if it was not 11 in the group stages he had he had a tally where he knew but i mean this is someone who he got through those group stages 20 times in a row so i i'd be reticent to argue with him um i think back then uh it was um quite nerdy and obscure but the way that football happens now i I, i'm sure there isn't a single team that doesn't think like that (laughs) <laughs> definitely but yeah anyway so so they've reached it they're on the 40 points so they're clearly you know the the, the tickets to cancun and and the maldives and all of that <laughs> good stuff has probably taken place they're they're deciding where they're going on holiday they're facing crystal palace who are one position behind them they're on 38 points so uh, uh, you know it's it, it's still possible they go down but i think it's very unlikely that another team reaches 38 points or vice versa, Crystal Palace don't extend, you know, that, that points tally above the 38 that they currently have. Now, they've, Palace have had a bit of a blip. I mean, two losses and a draw in their last couple of games. But if you look at the games they've played, they've played a Leicester City side that seems to, to be starting to pick up some kind of form or fight or something. Um, obviously Newcastle we've mentioned how good they've been this season and then they had that 0-0 draw on Monday night against Leeds and we will discuss Leeds later on they've not lost in five games so that that's probably a, good, a decent draw for Crystal Palace but also interesting as well is Crystal Palace are managed by one of your club legends Patrick Vieira um, surely you're not going against Patrick Vieira in this game w- what do you think is going to happen in Southampton versus Crystal Palace? Uh, I think you're right there. Um, if not, um, I think we we both uh, had the pleasure of having met him in person. Um, yes. And um, having met him here in South Africa, listening to his philosophy, it's been um, an absolute delight to get him see to see him getting the kinds of opportunities that um, that have always been where he felt that he should be. I think he worked. Um, incredibly hard to find himself um, where he is and the promise that they've shown uh, maybe not it's, it might not be spectacular in, in, in either form or position right now but I think anybody who's watched Palace this season can tell you that when they're on um, it's like watching a brand new team altogether so I'm, I, I, I don't think for them reaching that 40 point total is going to be an issue at all and I'm I'm hoping he gets the kind of backing that he requires. Um, and I'm very excited for what it is that they that they manage to assemble for next season. Um, but I do also get you where it's it's a it's a middle of the road kind of game, especially this late down the the league story, um, and where everybody's showing some sort of patchy form <laughs> except for the boys on top. So um, this one might this 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 one might be difficult to predict for all of those reasons. Um, I had this game down as a one 0 Southampton win as as much as um I admire everything that that Palace are doing. Um, I just I see that South, Southampton themselves, given that they have been at times properly awful, have also seemed to be finding something. Um, so I, I just gave them the edge on that home advantage. Um, but 
I don't think Palace will struggle at all. Um, they they should see safe more than safety by come the end of the season. Yeah, I definitely agree with you there. I'm surprised with the 1-0 uh, Southampton win there, but you, you give very valid reasons for why they, they, they could win this game 1-0. Um, just to warn you, you know, you mentioned, you, you know, you, you had the pleasure. I mean, we, we had the pleasure of meeting Patrick Vieira in South Africa. Um, and and got to speak to to him and listen to him um you know for a couple of days or whatever but the thing for me now is with your prediction here if he hears this podcast that might be the first <laughs> and last time that you meet patrick Vieira. so <laughs> i'm just warning you i'm just warning you that um you, you know, know it's i don't know why my notes are doing this they say did i say one nil to southampton <laughs> it's been no, locked no, in no, no. it's been locked in producer guy drinker <laughs> has locked the scores in already um yeah look from my perspective uh for southampton as we mentioned it's very difficult to know what southampton is going to turn up at any game um you mentioned the times when they've been really bad the times when they've been really good now that they're really safe I, I don't know what team is going to turn up. And it, it was one of the harder games that I had to predict in this one. And I kind of copped out a bit. I went with the 1-1 draw because I purely did not know what to do with this game. Um, I'll be honest, hand on heart, I didn't know what to do. But I will mention one thing. And if you do want to touch on this, please do. But uh, um, you mentioned how hard Patrick Vieira worked to to get to this point, to get to this job. Um, we know he went to the States. We know he went to France as well, did quite well there, and then ends up at Crystal Palace. I I thought it it, it was really cool to see a, a manager from a minority background get a Premier League job where it's not like the 20th team in the league. Like this is uh, Crystal Palace, a, a, a well-established, a now well-established Premier League team. And they had a lot of rebuilding to do. Uh, they lost... Mm-hmm. A lot of senior players that were on the last year of their contracts brought in some young players, um, you know, kept the likes of Zaha as well, which I thought was important for for their structure. Um, they've brought guys in at centre-back as well that have been really good. Gallagher has been a sensation for them. And I personally hope that he does get to stay at Palace because he's just developing so well there. But um, I don't know if you want to touch on that part as well. Um, just seeing, uh, we, we don't often see um, minority managers getting a job like this one where it's kind of like a secure club. Um, come in and see what you can do. So, so yes. And, and it's, it's, um, it's a great fairy tale story, but it, it it's also a a sobering reminder of how much work that they this, this league still has to do. I mean, I'm old enough to remember. Well, if it wasn't Chris Hutton, then it wasn't happening um, yeah. <laughs> in terms of representation in this league. And while I, we've seen um, inroads, because um, Palace again are a massive club with a very rich history. And as you say before, they they weren't a club looking to stay up. When he, when he when he took them, they were a club that had at least in their own scale um, their their own ambitions, a, a London based club. So while I'm tremendously happy for them, it, it, it's a it's a it's a bit of a bittersweet because you we didn't even mention the the amount of time that he that he spent at City before that, um, and you look at the him recently being even being in, inducted into 
the 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 brand new hall of fame it, it kind of speaks to um the progress that still needs to happen um but that journey of a thousand miles starts with a single step and so i, I like to look at this particular story as um a, a light in the tunnel towards hopefully better representation and more opportunities at this level of the game i mean we're no longer seeing just the the typical assistant role and then thrown down to the championship and then maybe something America. um he really has been given the backing at um what is a massive club and uh and i wish him all the best um but having even remembered from when i met him it surprises me very little um he was always somebody who regardless of the challenge was going to do what it took to 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 get you. I don't know if you still forgiven me from me making me crocodile um, in South Africa at the um, Brazil Ivory Coast game. Um, but if that doesn't speak to his willingness to to um, inundate himself in in new experiences, because he's a, before anything else a student of the game and one of the the greatest players that the league has ever seen. So um, it's nothing less than he deserves. Definitely so. And and we've seen um, improvements as well in, you know, the likes of punditry and, and commentators. We've had female commentators on games now, you know, female pundits as well, which I think has been a breath of fresh air. Um, so yeah, long may that continue in, in my opinion. But, you know, the, the, the journey to stay in this league uh, continues for Burnley, who seem to have hit a masterstroke here by, unfortunately for Sean Dyche and, and, and Sean Dyche fans, they sacked Sean Dyche uh, almost a couple of weeks ago now, had two very big results following that. They now come away from that, you know, looking a lot better in terms of they're now out of the relegation zone. Obviously, they've played a game more than Everton. And if Everton do win that game in hand, um, Everton will then jump back up above Burnley. But you know what? Points in hand seem to be currency at the moment rather than games in hand. Um, they would then be able to increase their lead on Everton when they go against Watford, um, a Watford side who, similar to Norwich, I think it's safe to say they are going to be relegated this season. Four losses in a row. Um, I, I haven't seen much improvement in them since Roy Hodgson came in, I have to say, to be fair. And, and we can see sort of, you, you know, I guess that also ties in the, the the previous game we spoke about in Crystal Palace where Roy Hodgson was there before. But um, I can't see Watford doing anything in this game. And considering the, in inverted commas, form that Burnley are in at the moment, two wins on the mm. bounce, a, a very good win against Wolves last time out, who Wolves are very stingy when it comes to, to, to conceding goals. The Burnley get that one goal. Watford haven't been that stingy. Uh, obviously, that 5-1 loss to Man City last time out, I'm not expecting a similar scoreline you know, from that sense. So I'm, I'll jump in with my score straight away and I'll let you um, discuss this game. But I, I've gone with a 2-0 Burnley win. Um, I, I haven't seen enough from Watford. Maybe the likes of Dennis you know, can, can get a goal here and there. But I think Burnley will be solid enough defensively and then cause a few problems for Watford going forward. So, yeah, there were some discussions, um, you know, when when we were discussing this game with, with the team before the podcast, um, 
and a lot of people were fighting me because they wanted to give Watford the goal. But you know what? I'm in front of the mic, so sorry, guys. <laughs> um, so I've gone two 0 to to Burnley uh, for this one. What, what what do you reckon about Watford versus Burnley? I think um, you've summed up a, a lot of it right there. And if and if you didn't, Watford's form surely has. Um, it seems like a very uninspiring. Um, nomination to try to ask uh, Roy Hodgson to try and dig them out of the hole that they, they found themselves in. Um, Watford is a team that I I sense that a lot of people would be disappointed to have to see them lose the league because they're also one of those teams that um, when they can do it, they can be difficult. They can be difficult to be in, in ways that... Um, I really do uh, appreciate, given how brutal it is at, at at that side of the table, that they were one of those teams that are willing to to play football, and um, every once in a while they they produce a gem. But unfortunately, the combination of their position, their form, and for me, the choice of management just really seems unimaginative. And um, in contrast, you have a Burnley team that took a a brave, if not controversial, decision um, in how they approached uh, their their strategy in in staying up. You, one would have thought that that would be by far the the safest way to stay safe. But as you say, two wins on the bounce um, with the potential to be safe a lot earlier than one might have thought that they might be. Might vindicate that decision for the short run. We'll see in the long run, but it is kind of difficult to see uh, how Watford are going to turn that here. But it is Vicarage Road, and so I've gone one-one. But the reason I've done that is I think that uh, Burnley have been mostly bouncing off of the dramatic shift and 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 the energy of a change. Um, but Watford really need to pull something off, and I just don't think the Bur- this Burnley team is as good as this decision might be leading us to believe. But um, that's the beauty of the Premier League, so we'll have to see. But I'm I'm going to stick with my decision of one-one. I I can hear che- cheering in my ear from the staff <laughs> with with you at the very least giving Wolves a goal. Uh, one-one was a popular scoreline. Um, in the discussions but yeah so you've gone one one um obviously you weren't privy to those discussions but you're clearly thinking in the same mindset as as some of the guys and girls there um we move on to wolves versus brighton now traditionally obviously we saw wolves they they lost one nil to burnley i mentioned they're usually quite stingy with the amount of goals that they give up and then on the other side we have brighton who are usually a team that struggles to score goals. Obviously, they they were involved in that two-two game against Southampton last time out. But usually, usually it, it's quite hard uh, for for Brighton to get goals. Um, this season, Brighton have thirty-one goals, um, and I'm looking at you know that that's on par with uh, with Watford in terms of goals scored this season. Yet Brighton find themselves in eleventh place. And that's largely due to they've only conceded 42 goals. Um, I say only, it's still quite a bit, but it's better than a lot of teams uh, in the Premier League. 
but yeah goals seems to be a problem for them and then they're coming up against a team that's only conceded 29 goals in 33 games which is very very impressive for a first season um bruno large is doing fantastic work there i think only the top three have conceded less goals than wolves so far this season so you can see the job he's doing there but then they've only scored 33 um, goals in 33 games so one goal a game um i'm I'm kind of circling the wagons here and setting it up for myself because i know what my scoreline is going to be for this one but what do you think about this game and then what scoreline would you be giving it so it's typical of the premier league isn't it um you have a brighton who couldn't buy a goal for most of the season (laughs) um find themselves um, in their last five games with um, um, two wins that they're probably in confidence feel like four. Um, They have found a way around um, what was a a, a difficult problem for them, and that's in in front of goal. But as we just keep saying, um, if you're difficult to score against you, you give yourself a shot every single time. Um, and it's, it's just something that keeps popping up to be true. Unfortunately, they're finding themselves again, an outfit that seems to be adopting the same philosophy. Um, so when I looked at this game, uh, it, it, it's one of those, it screams draw. It screams, it screams a draw to me just because I've been really impressed at the way in which Brighton have gone about in their business. Um, I think they've been very pragmatic and realistic about what it is that they can do with the team that they have. Um, they're disciplined. Uh, they have a manager who seems to just know how to get um, a a kind of performance out of them that perhaps the, the squad doesn't necessarily scream. Um, but then again, you have a Wolves team that, sure, um, have time and time again done the same thing in in in, in overachieving and showing their, their 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 discipline and their tenacity. I ended up going with the two two, um, purely out of well, I have to have a hope that all you 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 guys can't defend yourselves out of this game. Um, they'll both look at this as a game that's winnable. And I'm hoping um, that incites a, a kind of change in, in in strategy to the way that they ordinarily go about games. It's going to be a face-off of the draws because I've gone with the draw <laughs> as well, but I've gone nil-nil. And I, I'm, I'm yeah. usually a person that advocates four goals, but I think these two teams are going to cancel each other out. That That's my feel, my honest feeling. Um, I, as I said, I was setting it up um, with with the build-up of, of how I thought these teams have fared this season. So I think it ends with a nil-nil. You've gone with a 2-2, which is interesting because I think that's going to then play a factor when it comes to Bank It or Burn It and what decisions you make there. Now, Obi, you've never played Bank It or Burn It, am I correct? Not live, <laughs> but every single, but every single time. Uh, so this is a, a bit exciting for me, actually. Okay, okay. nerve wracking in a weird yeah. way. Uh, I think it's a lot more fun. I think it's a lot more fun when it's not being recorded. Yeah, when you're playing I think, I think at I, home. you get a lot more twenties out of twenty five at home. 
<laughs> that is true. Um, well, you know, uh, for 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 your benefit, obviously you, you listen to the show quite regularly, but also for first time people that are playing along at home as well, um, I'm going to put 15 seconds on the clock. Uh, Obi is going to try answer all five questions in each of the five rounds before that 15 seconds runs out. I'll be reading reading out each question and he will shout bank it if he thinks the scenario will happen or he's going to shout burn it if the scenario won't happen. Obviously, he's got to be quick with his responses to get in those um, answers before the time runs out. Now, there has been a development because last week, Jake Jackman came onto the show. Um, we know Mitch Letissier is the current leader of Bank It or Burn It. He got 19 out of 25 a couple of weeks back. Um, we've seen a lot of 15 out of 25s this season. I think about like six of them or something crazy like that. Um, so Jake Jackman, the OG of Bank It or Burn It, one of the first people <laughs> to ever play it, um, one of the first leaders of Bank It or Burn It, he led last season for, I think, about two-thirds of the season. He was the leader of Bank It or Burn It, and then he kind of got pimped by um, Alex and Jody, uh, who then went on to a tiebreaker finale um, at the end of the season. But not to be outdone, because I did set a challenge for the guys this season, that guys, you can't let the girls win again this season. Um, so so Mitch kind of took the bat in there. But Jake's come, and he's got 19 out of 25 as well. So we've now got a tie for two seasons in a row now, it seems. So unless you break this tie or someone breaks this tie, uh, you know, in, in the following episodes, we're going to have another face-off for the final, you know, weekend of the Premier League. So uh, does that add more pressure to you or, or how are you feeling? No, you not, know, at knowing... <laughs> <laughs> uh, not at all. Not at all. Yeah, that's incredible pressure. Um 1925, I mean, my goodness. I mean, it wouldn't be the game if it wasn't like that, so... Let's go for it. Very impressive scores. Okay, Obi. Um, the games you're doing are the ones we've discussed, obviously. So Newcastle, Liverpool, Aston Villa versus Norwich, Southampton versus Crystal Palace, Watford versus Burnley, and Wolves versus Brighton. That one, you've got the 2-2 two, two score prediction. Um, your questions are, A, possession over 55% to the home team, B, over eight shots on target, C, over 20 tackles, D, outside the box goal, E knee slide goal celebration. Now I know you in South Africa. If you are on weather watch here in the UK, it has been a bit dry. Um, spots of rain <laughs> now and then, but there hasn't been that much Jeez. rain. And 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 I know that that does tends to affect the guest decisions when it comes to bank it or burn it. Um, you know, do you really want to be knee sliding at you know? At, 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 <laughs> <laughs> at Vicarage Road or something like that when it's not raining. Um, I don't know. But anyway, we'll we'll see how you get on with this game. Um, I'm going to start. Your first one is Newcastle versus Liverpool. Your time starts now. Possession over 55% to the home team. Burn it. Over eight shots on target. Bank it. Over 20 uh, tackles. Burn it. Outside the box goal. Burn it. Knee slide goal celebration. Burn it. Ooh, what's that? One, two, three, four burns. I'll let the clock run out, so you know it's all official and everything. But that that was good. You 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 had time to spare as well, um, so you got the pace of it, which usually is a tricky bit for for first time live players. You got one banquet there, which is the the total shots on target. But let, let's see how you get on with Aston Villa versus uh, Norwich. Obviously, 
this is a game that you predicted 2-1 to Aston Villa. Steven Gerrard getting a W after a woeful couple of weeks. Your time starts now. Possession of 55% to the home team. Bank it. Over eight shots on target. Burn it. Over 20 tackles. Burn it. Outside the box goal. Burn it. Knee slide goal celebration. Bank it. Bank it in the end there. Um, did you have anyone in mind for that knee slide goal celebration? I when did, were... but I'm not going to say <laughs> No, you got to say it now. You I'm, not it. <laughs> I'm not going to. Who was it? Who was it? <laughs> I think if you think really hard about it, you, you'll figure it out. Okay, well, fan um, listeners, if if you think you know who he's talking about, I have a, if it's Coutinho, I, I don't know if it's Coutinho <laughs> that you think he about. If I know you as well as I think I do, I have a feeling you think it's Coutinho. But anyway, um, Southampton versus Crystal Palace. Your time starts now. Possession over fifty five percent to the home team. Burn it. Over eight shots on target. Bank it. Over twenty tackles. Bank it. Outside the box goal. Burn it. Knee slide goal celebration. Burn it. Ooh, interesting. Interesting shout with that burn it for Southampton because James Ward Prowse is on free kicks. <laughs> I'm just I'm just saying. He may have cracked people. He may have cracked there. Um okay, Watford versus Burnley. The pressure's on. I think you might have to recover from that uh outside the box shout for Southampton. I'm feeling <laughs> JWP is gonna pull off something in that game but Watford versus Burnley your time starts now possession over 55% to the home team burn it over 8 shots on target bank it over 20 tackles burn it outside the box goal burn it knee slide goal celebration burn it exactly the same as your first predictions your first set of predictions in that newcastle liverpool game all right your last game for the, the for bank it or burn it is wolves versus brighton i predicted nil nil you predicted two two if i'm not mistaken uh let's see how you get on with this one your time starts now possession of 55 percent to the home team bank it over eight shots on target bank it over 20 tackles Burn it. Outside the box goal. Burn it. Knee slide goal celebration. Bank it. Bank it to end it off. Well played. Well played. Okay. Is, is that, you know, like a, a you can breathe now that, that you've gotten through that? <laughs> it's completely different than it is at <laughs> home. So I'm just glad it's over. Let's, let, let's burn it for the whole thing. Yeah, and, and those that do love to to throw a cheeky bet out there, Obi's predicted that there's going to be no outside-the-box goal for the first five fixtures in the Premier League. I'm just saying, that, that's quite bold. Um, right, let's move on, Obi, to the, the, the current champions of the Premier League and current league leaders, Manchester City. They will be traveling to Ellen Road to play Leeds United. We mentioned Leeds' form recently. I mean, you know, a draw, win, a draw, and two wins. Um, you know, they're climbing up the table. It was brave bringing in um, Jesse Marsh. Obviously, you get the, the, the what I consider lazy and, 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 and uneducated 
um, notions of, oh, he's an American manager coming in, so is he going to know about football, you know, the real football, etc. But this is a guy that has um, traveled around the world, obviously was in that Red Bull bubble, so to speak, Mm -hmm. um, and and done really well, you know, with those teams, I thought. And and if you listen to even his post-match interviews, his pre-match interviews, you can see this is an intelligent man that knows the game of football quite well. Um, they're climbing up the table, as we mentioned, and it, it, I think it's been, you know, you mentioned brave decisions and whether or not short-term and long-term they, they, they you know, whether teams will feel vindicated by making them. At the moment, Leeds look quite vindicated um, with that appointment. They were kind of starting to nosedive under... Bielsa and then they they bring in the young vibrant manager and he seems to have turned things around a little bit he mentioned uh last week that the team sometimes still goes back to default in terms of they go back to the Bielsa football of man marking at times and they have to constantly remind them from the touchline that hey we we, we don't play that way any anymore mm-hmm. um which I think is quite an interesting dynamic um that maybe some people don't always consider when new managers come into jobs and why they prefer having a full preseason to to kind of embed uh, mm. what they want the players to execute, but they've got a tall order, man. They're playing Man City, who probably should have been at least three nil up in the Champions League this week, um, and then kind of invited Real Madrid to come back into that game. Now it could go either way. Either Man City players, you know, they you know they're going to you know they they they're going to be quite tired. You know whether or not he rotates, we will see. I, I don't think Pep's rotated as well this season as he could have, and we can see the wear and tear in some of the players at the moment. But hey, they're top of the league. They're still in the Champions League. They could get the double this season. Um, do the players then react positively to say, well, we, we, we came out of a war, a very intense game against Real Madrid and won. So that kind of high of winning a game carries them through this Leeds game. Or is it the regret of not putting the tie away and knowing what's to come in the following week in facing Real Madrid that could cause them to be a bit distracted in this game um, against Leeds United? Yeah, um, it's definitely a midweek game that City, given how they've been playing and how they did play, could have buried. Um, um, it's it's a bit of a mixed result for them because, I mean, it just shows you the class of the club, really, that um, you, you they'd, they'd be frustrated with themselves that they don't bury a uh, Real Madrid. Um but as you point out, they're, they're a club that are spoiled for choices that they don't often exercise. Um, but here they find themselves with a, a perfect opportunity to, to do so. Um, they have a bench that could probably make top four on its own. And um, I think a lot of those players are going to be hungry to demonstrate why uh, they should be in that second leg or in that or, or potentially in that final end um and how they should be guiding city um to another league title which is what ideally they'd like to get to so i lean more on i feel bad for leads on this one um, they've been playing um some what i want to call pragmatic football which as you say like no losses in their last yeah. five <laughs> um speaks to itself and um I'm somebody who grew up and I, I idolized Marcelo Bielsa. 
of a man who is responsible for why much of the modern game is the way it is. Um, but yeah, that, that combination, unfortunately, I think it, it took it where it can go. But I lean towards, um, I think there's going to be a scary city, particularly if Pep decides to do what he hasn't actually done that often, as you point out, and, and that's um, decide to give a bit of rotation to this particular game with probably an eye to his re- return leg game. Um, you've got the, the likes of Gundogan on, on, a, on the bench um, who would be starting in any other team. So uh, it's one of those things where, as I said with the, the Newcastle game, ironically, it's two teams that are playing great who just happen to be coming against an unstoppable force right now. So my prediction is actually 3 0 to City. 3-0 to Manchester City. Pretty close to my... I've gone 3-1. I've gone 3-1 just purely because I, I do think um, the directness that Jesse Marsh has given to Leeds, you know, the, the objective as soon as they get the ball is get to their go- get to their box as soon as we possibly can, you know, moving the ball through the different phases, but being very intentional with that. And I think City have struggled at times with transition defending, um, I think more more so in a game where similar to you, I think Pep does rotate in this one just more out of necessity than actually wanting to, and mm. that might lead maybe to a bit of communication breakdown in transition defending, and not necessarily being used to playing with the guy that's next to you and and knowing what they usually do. So I do think they concede one, but yeah, I think I think City are going to be too strong. You mentioned the the depth that they have and what it could do and and what it could do for them individually to guarantee or, or at least put thoughts in the manager's mind to get them into that second leg game and hopefully for them a, a Champions League final as well and also for the rest of the Premier League games to to get starts in those ones. So we'll see how they get on there. We mentioned that Man United and Chelsea are playing at time of recording. It's halftime in that game. It's nil-nil um, as we speak about this Everton-Chelsea game. So guys, do bear that in mind as, as we break down what we think is going to happen in this one. But I... I you know, it, it it's the Frank Lampard derby. Um, we saw Everton were quite um, determined to to hold the fort. I'm trying to see how best to phrase this without Frank Lampard getting <laughs> pissed off at me. But um, they they were quite they sat quite deep and were willing to to try and hold on as long as they could against Liverpool. Try and break on the counter attack. They they did have some successes on the counter-attack against Liverpool, they'll argue they should have had a penalty. I think Lampard saying, well, you know, Mo Salah would have gotten that penalty is a bit misinformed because um, of the players that get touches and dribbles, Mo Salah is one of the least fouled um, players. And actually, Anthony Gordon gets fouled a lot more than, than, than or wins fouls a lot more than, than Mo Salah does. So I, I don't know about that argument per se, but... So Frank Lampard will be entertaining his old club. It's obviously at Goodison Park, which is always a, an entertaining game, in my opinion, um, against the Chelsea side who, based on the inconsistency of the teams around them, I think will have enough to secure third place. Um, it would have been interesting if they got dragged into that third, fourth spot, just you know, from a neutral perspective, I think. But I do 
I, I do wonder if this game might be a, a horrible reunion for Frank Lampard against a Chelsea side who, as I said, without knowing the, the, the final score in the Man United game, should be able to comfortably go past Everton. And I think it's important for Chelsea to start racking up wins and start getting into some sort of form because they've got that FA Cup final coming soon. You know, you don't want to walk into that one being a bit shaky, I would imagine. Yeah, and um, you can't underestimate what silverware does for mentality, particularly for a club that is, um, regardless of how you feel about it, going through um, a, a, a generational change um, that um, regardless of, of how professional players are, regardless of, of how well-managed that transfer, it, 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 it has to get to you. It has to affect you. It affects decisions. We see certain players have already made decisions to, to um, um, make their way out the club. Um, and so they definitely want to keep an eye on, on that cup game because right now that, that, that might be the only, um, silver lining in um a in a in a very weird season for Chelsea as a club. Yeah. Um definitely. now as you called it, it's the it's the Lampard Derby. Um I felt yeah he was very touchy against Liverpool. Um that might have actually been driven by the reason that that game has been a hammering for Everton for a while. So even the result that they ended up walking up with in the context of how that Merseyside derby has been going um, might as well be a draw, um, given its historical context. So it, it will be interesting to see how he approaches this because um, one thing you will say about Chelsea this season is they're beatable. Um, it's just not clear by whom. <laughs> um, it's one of those teams where um, there could be anyone in the world on the day and they can look absolutely unrecognizable on another. So I, I think it just boils down to how lucky Everton feel. And, and given that it's at Goodison, it will definitely be bouncing. Um, um, and I think it will be one for the neutral. But um, whew, it's, a, it's a difficult one to predict. I'm, I'm actually going to change what I had written down. Ooh. Um, um, I had a, a Chelsea 2-0 win. Um, but I'm going to, to, to give Everton a shot here and, and actually say that Everton are going to win 2-1. I know it goes in the complete wow. opposite direction. I know it goes in the, in the, in the complete opposite direction, but given that game going ahead, I just feel like for Everton, this gets to be, um, an opportunity to change a direction in that you're facing a Chelsea team that's got, frankly, other things to worry about. I think, as you you correctly point out, they probably have done just about enough to hold on to third. Um, they'll have a look at that that cup game, and it's the kind of game I can see a Chelsea not taking anywhere near as seriously as a bouncing Goodison might. That's a good point, and we've seen it. You know, the the four one loss to to Brentford. 
um, recently was a bit of a shock. Um, you know, Brentford were fully committed to that game. Chelsea, maybe not so much. Um, so yeah, there, there is logic to that. Um, um, for me, I just think Everton haven't looked that good of late. And if they can put in two dogged performances in a row, you know, is, is that going to be, um, is that going to be enough? I, I worry for them in this game. I've, I've actually, I'm going to steal your 2-0 that you had originally predicted. I'm going to go with the 2-0 Chelsea win in this one. Um, and we'll swiftly move on to Spurs versus Leicester. Now, this is a game I'm sure you will be keeping your eyes on um, quite intently as an Arsenal fan. Me? Yeah, just to see what they're doing. Uh, you know, just, just, to, just to see what they're doing. <laughs> it's the kickoff before you guys play. Um, because they play at two o'clock on Sunday. You guys play at half past four on Sunday. Now, interestingly enough, in the UK, Spurs versus Leicester is not going to be on TV, but Everton Chelsea oh. is going to be on TV because they're both at two o'clock. And I guess the, the powers that be went with Everton versus Chelsea. You don't have that problem in South Africa. You guys get every single Premier League game. Um, every the, single one live, yeah. <laughs> every single one live, which is incredible with DSTV. Um, but you know what? Um, I've got a brilliant hack for that because I am forever grateful for our presenting sponsors, Liberty Shield. They are presenting sponsors along with EPLindex.com. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider. You can check out their services at LibertyShield.com. You guys can save with the coupon code EPL25, and that gives you 25% either your router, um, which they'll ship to you, or the software VPN, which downloads directly onto your um, devices as soon as you, you order it. Um, obviously, it's a virtual private network. It's a technology that encrypts your internet traffic. It protects your online identity hides your IP address, it shields your online data from third parties. You can also avoid geoblocks and government-imposed restrictions to access any website. So, for example, for me, I'm definitely going to be watching that um, Spurs game, Spurs versus Leicester, and I don't have to worry about it not being on TV or being on TV. I know through Liberty Shield VPN, I'm going to be able to find that game in full HD, and it's going to be quite fantastic to watch. Because I do think that Spurs have to react from that nil-nil draw that they had against Brentford. They come up against the Leicester side that I that I said earlier. They've kind of shown some kind of life. Um, obviously, they've got um, ambitions in Europe to to worry about. But the interesting thing for me for this game is going to be whether or not Spurs have another plan other than the ball to Kane. Kane looks up and plays the ball to Son because. In the past two weeks, it seems like both uh, Brighton and uh, Brentford have targeted that to say if Kane gets the ball, he can't get his head up. We're gonna either either we're gonna be tight on him so that he can't get his head up, or if he does get his head up, we're just gonna tackle him, take the foul, take the yellow, whatever it is. But we're not gonna let him get that pass off to Son and. Other players in the Spurs team need to take that responsibility to say, if it's not going to come through that avenue, which obviously, I mean, that avenue works because it's the highest goal scoring partnership in Premier League history, if I'm not mistaken. So it obviously works, but teams are limiting it. So we need to find another way to break teams down. Um, whether or not Leicester, this version of Leicester has the discipline to to stop that, I don't think so. Um, so I've gone with a 2-1 Spurs win because I don't trust this version of Leicester. Um, 
I think they've been a bit shaky defensively. They've not been as disciplined this season defensively. And obviously they've got uh, European football. They're currently down 1-0 to Roma, uh, you know, in 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 the Europa League um, or Europe, Europa Conference League, sorry. Um, so whether or not that affects what kind of shape they can come into this game, I think it does. I don't think they have the depth of the likes of the cities and Liverpools that can rotate and still bring on a Gundogan or a Cater, etc. Um, so yeah, I think this is a favourable time for Spurs to be playing Leicester and I think they're going to win this game 2-1. Um, yeah. Um, because Leicester definitely, uh, <laughs> Leicester definitely have shown an an, an uptick in um, their form, um, an uptick in their results, and and even watching their games, they they seem to show a, a little bit of the the glitz and the uh, that um, we we've come to know, of them, um, despite what for them will be a, a pretty forgettable season. Uh it's a must win for Spurs. Um, as it stands, um, um, in in um, a position that, um, given them maybe two weeks ago, they would have felt that they were in a driving seat towards top four. They now uh, put that have that pressure put back on them, and um, as you say, two teams before them seem to have figured out perhaps a way to neutralize um, Spurs. But again, those are smaller teams who are able to spend their entire week um, watching videotape and, 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 and working as a team to stick to a plan, which I just don't see Leicester having a, the discipline to do or B the, the ego for lack of a better word. I don't see Leicester going about and saying, well, we're going to neutralize them and then try to look for a goal. I think Leicester see themselves as a team that, when they play, we can beat Spurs on a good day. And I think um, regardless of what the meta plan will be, that's going to be what the game devolves into, which plays in Spurs' in Spurs's favour. So as much as I would like Spurs to drop some more points, because uh, as I say, every single game will matter until it's over, I have to agree with that 2-1 prediction. Um, I I feel like I do not see Leicester having the discipline to go and completely change the way in which they play football purely because um, we seem to find a chink in the in the Spurs design. Interesting stuff. I know you must have been gritting your teeth through that analysis. But um, <laughs> Obi, we move on to a more favourable team. Uh, it's your team, Arsenal. They obviously will be playing West Ham in a London derby. Now, this game is going to be at, um, I, I almost said Upton Park. <laughs> this game is going to be at the London Stadium. Uh, West Ham are currently 1-1 at time of recording in the Europa League against um, Eintracht Frankfurt. Obviously, the team that beat um, Barca last time out. Do you think, similarly to Spurs, the fact that you're playing a team that is playing midweek and maybe doesn't have the depth to play, you know, so many games in a short time allows you guys a slight advantage. Um, and then also Arteta getting a full week to kind of prepare for this game. Um, I know it's obviously sweating the the the, the injury of Bakayi Saka 
Um, we know, unfortunately, Turney and Party are kind of out for the season, I think, if I'm not mistaken. But what shape are Arsenal coming into this one and how, how are you feeling about this game? Well, well, it's tricky because you find an Arsenal team that um, managed to, um, for lack of the cliche now, to, 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 to snatch um, a loss out of the jaws of victory. <laughs> they found themselves um, with three games in hand, um, depending on how you're looking at it and who you're talking about, four, um, with very, very winnable games. And in, 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 in typical Arsenal fashion, um, managed to find a way to make it difficult. Um, so on the one hand, you look at it and you say, Arsenal should not be in this position at all. And then on the other hand, you go, well, they shouldn't be in this top four position either. So it's another team where you just don't know what you're going to get. Um, I think the United and the Chelsea game played in Arsenal's favor because it seems to be the only time in which Arsenal seem to, to to switch on when they have the more difficult game where that pressure ironically seems to come off because that's when the youngsters seem to be able to just um, play freely. I think the, the lack of experience has definitely shown itself in those games against Brighton and Palace where... Um, We've seen it from other clubs before as well. When you go with just youth, there, there tends to be an inability to understand that anybody can beat you um, at any day of the week and um, they have no one to blame but themselves. And so now they're playing against uh, an experienced West Ham team who, despite playing midweek, are, are definitely never going to give Arsenal um, three points. Um, that's never been what that club's about. They enjoy playing Arsenal. They enjoy ruining the mood. Um, and while it might be out of their reach now, probably for West Ham, I don't think that's going to deflate their desire at all to ruin the party for Arsenal. So I think this is one that's going to be very tricky. And I actually had the game at 1 1. Oh, um, don't do that. Yeah. Don't do that to Arsenal. Are you sticking with that? Unfortunately, unfortunately, I think the injuries to the fullbacks, um, the uncertainty around Bukayo Saka, and the fact that I know that West Ham will play it like it's a cup final um, is the kind of situation that not only do I don't think Arsenal will not get the win, I think a draw would be a good result for them. Oh, Arsenal fans will be closing their ears, hoping that you're wrong. Spurs fans will be celebrating. Um, you've 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 predicted a Spurs win and an Arsenal draw. Interesting times. Um, I I think the midweek fixture does affect West Ham in this one. I think the players, from a mental standpoint, will be quite exhausted going into that Arsenal game. I've gone two one Arsenal. Um, we'll see how it transpires, but we'll also end the the game week off on a Monday night at Old Trafford because it's Man United entertaining the only other team we haven't spoken about yet, Brentford. Obviously, Brentford had that nil-nil draw against Spurs last time out. They will be traveling to Old Trafford against a United side who, at time of recording, it's still half-time. So we don't know what the conclusion of that game is. It's currently nil-nil. Um, but, you know, 
Man United, at least, you know, they've, they've got some kind of shape. Chelsea are still causing their problems. Brentford's physicality from their front players, I think, might be a problem for United. And it will be interesting to see if they bring back Maguire because of that reason, to get someone in that's really good at heading the ball away and, and being quite physical in the box. And, and I, I think that game suits him more than, let's say, a Chelsea game, etc., where they've got a lot of um technical players that that play in those advanced roles especially when Lukaku's not starting games um man united ugh, this i think this feels like a banana skin game for them because it's at home you're expecting a win brentford don't necessarily have the clout that you know would worry fans and 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 they they're expecting to come and get a result at old trafford when the whole world is watching on monday night no one else has anything else to do there are no other games. The spotlight is on us. Obviously, you know, beforehand, all the pundits will be discussing about the woes about Man United and what can Man United do about Ten Hag coming in and the optimism of that all in the background. And then the United players have to go out there and do something. And I think this is the type of game where Man United end up falling short. Um, I think Brentford look a very, very well put together team. Everyone knows their role quite well. And they're coming up against a United side who don't really know their roles quite well, who don't necessarily give me optimism to win a game like this when the spotlight is on, unfortunately. Maybe Ronaldo comes out and scores a hat-trick, but if he doesn't, I don't know where the goals are coming from. And in saying that, I think Brentford get a dogged 1-0 win at Old Trafford, which would be a very, very sad way for Man United to end off their long weekend. Yeah, um, I think the the gravity of United's situation is something that every week manages to find a new chapter um, in the complexity of the issues at the club. I think they have been riding for quite some time on that it is Manchester United and uh, um, the amount of... Ronaldo individual moments of brilliance that they can rely on, I think, has been more than exhausted already um, this season. And as you point out, um, Brentford are a very disciplined, physical, brutal team who are savoring every moment of being in this Premier League. And they're one of those teams that every single game, they do not take it for granted that they're here and uh, they're going to be dogged about every single game, regardless of the opposition. They do fantastic work in the opposition instructions. And United are just a team that can lose to anybody right now. Um, they're a team that should win 95% of the game and most of their issues actually boil down to um, do they have the the motivation and the mental strength to pull results when really um, motivation is, is hard to come by. Um, there are deep issues there that I, I feel like Brentford will be a struggle for them. Uh, I'm going to go with a one win to United. Um, and I say that it meaning very well that it will be a difficult win for United to have to pull out. But I think 
the fact that they'll be at home, um, it might just be too much of an onslaught. But um, I think it says more about Brentford's discipline and United's situation that that is the case, that on a Monday night, they might just have to, to grind out a win, if that. Interesting stuff. Um, but yeah, that's going to end the podcast off for us, Obi. Uh, it's going to do it for another episode of A Tad Predictable. Do you have anything you want to plug, put over, or promote before you, you we wrap up? Any projects you're working on, Twitter handles, etc.? I will say that um, you and I have a FIFA session on Saturday, so um, <laughs> I'm going to hope that you use this time to um, get that practice in because um, <laughs> I've just... I've just criticized Manchester United and I, 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 I don't want to mention how we've been playing. So I'm hoping, I'm hoping that that's actually my real fixture for the weekend. So um, that's <laughs> going to be my focus. Oh, that's going to be my real focus for the Saturday. But thank you very much for the invitation. It's always a pleasure to get to, to, to be here. Um, and um, hopefully we get to do it again. Um, Definitely. And I look forward to a great football weekend. Definitely should be a great football weekend. Yes, I, I will get practicing for our uh, FIFA session. Um, guys, from my end, go out and check out all the content on EPL Index website. We have match previews, post-match reviews, player performances, and also all of the news that you guys could possibly wish for. The, 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 the end of the season's coming up. Transfer rumors are starting to you know percolate a little bit. So if you want to catch up on some of those, definitely go to eplindex.com. Um, of course, um, go check out the daily podcast show, The Two-Footed Podcast with Dave Hendrick. I won't be surprised if he's discussing the Klopp um, re-signing as well. Uh, finally, also go check out a um, the flagship show that runs weekly. It's the EPL Roundtable with Kev DeFries. He sits down with uh, panelists from all around the EPL. They do previewings and reviewings of the happenings around the EPL. And as, as I mentioned, there will probably be a deep, deeper dive on that clock news on it it will come out late sunday if not early monday guys do go and follow this show on the twitter page at a tad predictable follow at epl index on twitter subscribe to epl index podcast channel on your podcast providers give us five stars write positive comments that stuff really goes a long way go sign up for the free predictions uh, competition that we're hosting on epl index.com stroke predictions you stand a chance to win all you have to do is get your game week predictions in each week at eplindex.com stroke predictions if you top the leaderboard come the end of this 21 22 epl season you stand a chance to win a hundred pound voucher for epl index shop as well as 300 pounds cash prize which is an awesome awesome prize that is that has been set up by our presenting sponsors liberty shield vpn so huge shout out to them I've been Tadio Chanakira. You can find my you can find me on the Twitter handle at Tad Predicts. Um huge thank you to Obi Semenya. He's at John Empire SA. As we said, he is the producer of the intro music that we have here for all of our guests, personalized for all of our guests. Really cool stuff there. Our producer behind the glass, Mr. Guy Drinkle, he's at Guy Drinkle on Twitter. As I said, he's been Obismania at John Empire SA on Twitter. And remember, Chisinga Perry. Take it away by Chino Shira. Oh, it's glorious! And it's Ward Rousey strikes it! Bamford shot. Oh, brilliant! The Pogba! Oh, what a finish! Came out to him. Menez! Pick that one out!
What a goal by Harry Kane. Saka, 2-0. Jesse Lingard, oh, thumping finish. The champions of 2021 are Manchester City. Sports Social Podcast Network.